0: I think I've met most of you, so most of you know that I came here from Oklahoma and moved here about two and a half months ago. Uh, The Lord has actually been very good to me, um, more than I expected since I've gotten here as far as like giving me a new job um, and taking care of uh, financial needs. Um, I even got a roommate, you know, Peter, good most of the time, you know, it's to have a roommate, uh, somebody who's familiar with the city. Um, This evening, if you have your Bibles, uh, we are going to be in the book of Proverbs Um, Our main text is going to be in Proverbs 29. No. Okay. I'm just used to it being right there. All right. um, If you want to turn to Proverbs 29, we're going to be looking at one verse in Proverbs 29, verse 4. Um, It says, The king by judgment establisheth the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it. Now we're only be looking at that verse. We're going to be looking at other verses uh, in the Bible tonight, but that's going to be our main text tonight. Um, And since that's going to be our main focus tonight, I actually want everybody to read it aloud with me, just so we can kind of get familiar with it. Um, We'll go ahead and start Uh, verse four: "The king by judgment establisheth the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it." Now. For most of us, um, when we look at this verse, if you consider the verse in Proverbs in the context, it's most likely given as an instruction to somebody who may be a king or may have opportunity to operate or function as a king or maybe a prince or a judge over a land. And so primarily, it would be somebody who exercises authority that would read this verse and get an understanding of how it is that judgment or how it is to operate as a king and he would read this verse and say, oh, well, by judgment, I establish the land. Or if I receive gifts, I'm going to overthrow the land. And he could, receive, he could receive this instruction as opportunity to learn how to operate as a king and kind of see two outcomes of the possibilities of his philosophy, of how he would operate as a king. But for most of us, we're not going to be kings. We're not going to have opportunity to rule over people. Most of us are going to be more of along the lines of the people within a kingdom. And when we look at this verse, I want, to, I want you to understand that there's going to be a couple things that, as far as this verse goes, it's a principle that will help us in our everyday lives. But first, to understand how this verse actually applies to us, we kind of have to step away from what we're used to in our culture and kind of step into the mindset of somebody. Who would be in a kingdom or understand this in a different way? So, as we look at this, I want you to understand that I understand the context is if you're a king, this is how you might be best, this might be the best way to operate. But for us, how does this principle actually play out in our everyday lives? And I want you just to think about this as we read this. It says, The king by judgment establisheth the land, and he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it. So, we see two possible outcomes an established land where everything is good and everything is pretty much favorable for the, for the people of that land, and then a kingdom that is overthrown. Now, quick question. Would you like to be a part of a land that is established or would you like to be a part of a land that is overthrown? For me, I'd like to be a part of a land that's established and, and is well established. Now, to help look at this, I want you to understand that this is instruction to like one person that might be a king but to help understand the concept or the the principle that's here I want us to think about it as if this were two kings and to illustrate that I brought a couple of chess pieces a couple of kings and I want you to think about these, these kings over here we're going to have one king he represents the good king and over here we're going to have the other king, and he represents, we'll say it's the bad king. Now, in the picture of the story, I'm going to say this is a good king because according to the context of the story, or in this passage, the land is established. And would you agree that if the land is good and prosperous and established, that there's a, that's a good king? And then over here we have another king, and it says this land is overthrown. That would be a bad king. Like, if the result of their leadership... We're going to look at the result of their leadership and say, "Well, this king is obviously good because the land is established. And this one's obviously bad because the land is overthrown. Now, if you think about that, those are extreme opposites. Very extreme opposites. Established land and overthrown land, completely opposite. So my question is, in this verse, we have a a slight difference shown... Why is it that such a small difference can make such a drastic impact on the outcomes? And as we look through this, I want, I want to show you why it is that a simple philosophy or simple conduct of a king can make such a great difference in the, in the whole land. First of all, I want to start looking by the, at this king. It says, this king, by judgment, establishes the land. And that word by judgment, or that phrase by judgment, it's kind of an interesting phrase if you think about it, but what it's talking about is this king takes principles or laws or established rules of conduct, and those are his primary methods of making decisions. Now, the way this would look in everyday life as a king would be kind of like, if you think about Say there's two people that had a, a quarrel. Say they're neighbors. And they have houses their houses are right next to each other and they have a fence line. And the one neighbor doesn't like the other neighbor. And so he starts putting his trash in his neighbor's yard. He starts kicking over the fence. He starts letting his dog go over to their yard and dig up everything. He even goes over like, at night and steals stuff that he thinks is hit, like, hits his neighbor. It's right there. He has every right to that stuff. And he goes over there daily and does that. Now, if these two people came in with this quarrel to this king, this king would look at the law and say, you know, there's a law against vandalism. There's a law against breaking and entering and stealing your neighbor's property. And this king would make a judgment based on the law. So he would look at the one neighbor and say, you know what, you brought this to me, and because I realize this offending party is guilty, they have to face the consequences. So this king, by judgment, he's establishing the land. But if you look at that, that simple aspect right there, we don't really see the land being established yet. See, what it is, this king, he doesn't just occasionally rule by judgment. It's a consistent thing. see... Whenever this neighbor comes in and has a complaint against his neighbor for stealing his stuff, the king looks at the rules and the law and says, oh, well, we have a rule and a law against stealing your neighbor's stuff, so you're guilty. They look at the law and say, well, what's the punishment for that? Oh, well, the punishment is he has to restore and he has to fix whatever was broken. So this king orders this offender to come before and and pay his neighbor for destroying his property, and he says, you have to go over and fix it. Well, this happens again, but it's a di- couple different neighbors down the street. These other neighbors, they come down, and they have the same quarrel, and the king comes up with the same ruling. He says, oh, well, you're you're guilty just like these other people. And then there's a teenager in this kingdom who starts doing vandalism against property of not just his neighbor, but he's going across the town and he's destroying mailboxes. And the king looks at his rule book and says, hey, you know, there's a law against destroying these mailboxes. You have to pay to fix those. But there's also this other thing in the law. It says that because you destroyed the property of our government, you actually have to spend time in a prison. So he's sent to prison and he has to face the consequences of his actions. Well, then there's another guy who he murders somebody. Well, the king gets the case and looks at the case and says, well, we realize that you're guilty, and according to the law, well, he looks through the book, well, the, the law says that because you killed somebody, you're going to have to die. Not vindictive, not mean, but he says, because you have broken this law and murdered somebody, we must now exercise judgment and this guy who murders somebody else in the, in the township, he's put to death. He's hung because he murdered somebody. He pays, for the, he pays for his actions. Now, over time, this king consistently makes the same decisions based on the activities of the person. Now I want you to think about something. After... Two neighbors came in with quarrels, and the person who offended the victim of vandalism had to pay for their crimes and fix everything. Do you think a lot of people in that town kept on having quarrels with their neighbors and destroying their neighbor's property? No. Because they realized there were two instances when other neighbors had quarrels and destroyed each other's property and stole from each other, and the king made them pay for it. People didn't vandalize their neighbor's property anymore. This teenager who went to prison and had to spend time in jail because he vandalized property across the city, his friends didn't do that either. His friends decided, you know what? He spent three years in jail because he did that crime. I don't think I'm going to do that. And then that guy who murdered somebody and was put to death it was actually a public execution, and he was hung in public. People thought twice about killing somebody. They probably thought more about killing somebody, but they realized, you know what, if I kill that person, I'm going to be put to death, because this king, he doesn't play games. He's consistent, and he looks at the law, and looks at the, the punishment prescribed by law, and he makes all of his decisions based on the same thing. I can look at the law, and I know what the king's decision is going to be. I can look at the consequences for crimes, and I know exactly what's going to happen. Over time, the citizens of this kingdom start understanding that, you know what? Because our king focuses on the law and works according to established principles, I'm actually safe. And the way this plays out in life is people aren't afraid to go out at night because the last time somebody was murdered, the offender was put to death. So when people go out at night, they're not afraid that somebody's going to just randomly come up and kill them because they know that there are consequences to that action. They know that if somebody harms them or damages them or injures their property in any way, they know that restitution is going to be made and they know that judgment will be handled properly and accordingly and swiftly. This king allows people that are in his kingdom to operate within safety. They, they feel safe. People are allowed to prosper because, you know what, they, they can work hard and they don't have to worry about their property being damaged and destroyed. And if it is, they have a recourse, they have an action. They, these people are well established and they're not afraid to prosper. So all the people that are in this kingdom, they start working hard, they, they establish the government's established, and they feel safe, and they earn, and they grow as a community. And even the poor people that are involved in the community, even though they may not have all the opportunities as far as... They may not be talented and gifted like some of the people who work hard and, and have like a, a business acumen, but all these people who are, are wise and make money and are, that feel safe and grow, they actually don't feel bad taking care of some of the people who are less fortunate. And the people, even the poor people in that land are taken care of because this king, by judgment, established the land by consistently following the law and obeying it. And the people in this land, they feel safe. And the land is prosperous and well-established. We have a different king, though, over here. says he... Receiveth gifts, overthroweth it. Now, receiving gifts primarily means bribery. Now, Brother Montoro, you, you've experienced this anti bribery thing in New York. They're so afraid of bribery in New York, you know, they they don't allow anything that even looks like bribery. And the officials, if they look like they've taken a bribe of any sort, they face severe consequences. But here in this passage, it says that this king receiveth gifts. And because he receives gifts, it overthrows the land. Now, by receiving gifts, you think, well, that's not really that big of a deal. It makes a a big difference. I want you to look at this and consider this for, for just a moment. This king faces the same neighbors. The same neighbors from our first king over here, they come in. And the one neighbor, he runs the local bakery and the other neighbor he's just a farmer he, he lives there but he works out in the rural area of the town and this king over here that runs the bake, or this, this guy who runs the bakery though makes the king's favorite bagels so the king loves this guy so this guy comes in and they're both complaining about it and the first neighbor comes in and says this guy destroyed my mailbox. He he sent his dog over to dig up all of my yard. He lit my tree on fire because he was mad, and he knocked over the fence into my side of the yard. Now, the offender was the baker. And the king is looking at this guy, and the guy says, Hey, if you make bagels for me all the time without charging me, I'll overlook the case. So the guy's thinking about it and says, okay, well, the damages I've done, they come up to about $100,000. Like, he did a lot of damage. Or I could make bagels for this king every day. And he does it. And so the king throws the case out because he wants his bagels. Well, the other neighbors hear about this. And the other guy down the street, he doesn't like his neighbor either. And so he starts doing the same damage because, you know what, he, he runs, he's the king's dentist. And so the king, knowing that he can get free health care, dental care from this guy down here, look, overlooks the case, throws it out. And so this, we have two neighbors here that have suffered extreme damage to their property. And the king didn't do anything about it. So these people, they have to start taking justice into their own hands. They start putting bars on their windows. They start looking over their shoulder. They start watching out more. They kind of live in an attitude of fear. Well, the same kid goes around and starts damaging the mailboxes. But the thing is, he's like the king's advisor's son. And the king's advisor, has brought a lot of money in for the king. And so the king says, you know what? I'm going to overlook this vandalism. And he's just going to let people know, hey, we couldn't find the guy, so you're going to have to just fix your own mailboxes and the damages. And they're like, well, we saw who did it. And we know who did it, but they let him go. And so this king dismisses justice because of the benefits to himself. He overlooks the case, he overlooks justice, and he says, You know what? I really don't care because I need my second in command, I need my advisor, I need my bagels, I need my dentist because I like those bagels so much. And so he goes on and he continues working through his life, and then the murder case comes up. There was no really eyewitnesses to it. The guy, you know, he talked about how he murdered the guy and how much he hated it. Everybody knew that. This person wanted to kill this other guy. They didn't have any proof, though, even though everybody knew who did the murder. And so it goes on, and the king looks at it, and he steps back, and he realizes, well, the guy who did the murder was my best friend growing up. And this guy, well, I mean, we did everything together growing up. I can't can't murder him. So the king says, well, I know the law says this, but... He goes in and he rewrites the law and says he can now spend life in prison and he can get out after 10 years if he's good. So the king changes the law around so his friend that he grew up with can get away with murder. Well, as this plays out throughout the whole city, people start realizing, you know what, if I can establish a good service that makes the king happy... I can get away with whatever I want. If I can learn how to play his favorite music, I could probably get away with a certain amount of damage. And so the people, they start acting in ways to please this very fickle king into getting their way. Now, this land doesn't prosper at all. People here that work hard every day they have their property destroyed, and nobody cares. They have their land destroyed. Their, their houses are burned. Their money is stolen. Their property is broken. Their property is damaged. Their friends are killed. And murders continue to happen because they're not going to die anymore. They're just going to spend some time in prison. And, you know, that, guy, that king sent his friend to prison. He didn't want his friend to be uncomfortable, so he made the prison kind of nice. So, there's no judgment. It's all about whatever you can give the king. And the more you give the king, and the more you please him, (coughs) the happier he'll be with you. And he'll let you get, get away with stuff. So, as that attitude and as that philosophy continues to carry out, this land is overthrown. It's overthrown from within, the people destroy themselves. They live in fear. They start barring up their windows. They don't care about working for prosperity because if you can steal enough from somebody else, you'll have it. You don't have to work hard anymore. You just have to be a better thief. And you have to make sure the king likes you more for what you can do for him. And overall, there's an attitude of fear and hatred. And eventually, this kingdom crumbles from within because there's, there's no law. There's no, nothing establishing. There's no safety. People don't feel safe, and they leave. Now, this king is very consistent in his inconsistency. Now, I want you to know, I don't know if you realized it or not, but when we talk about just some of the small instances of what could happen in a kingdom where the king rules by law and the king rules by gifts or bribery, I don't know if you noticed it, but one of the biggest differences in this kingdom isn't just the prosperity of the land, it's the type of people that live in both societies. Imagine with me for just a moment, we have two citizens, one from this kingdom and one from this kingdom. And imagine the, the way these societies played out for just a few moments here Imagine there was like an exchange student program. We had one guy from over here. He found out about this opportunity to go live in this land for a few months. And he goes over here. And the same, another kid over here learns about the same program to go over to this kingdom. So we transplant these two people into the two different kingdoms. So... This guy from over here, he's used to a king who, if you can make his favorite bagel, you can destroy property. If you're friends with him for a while, you can get away with murder, and you can spend time in a luxurious prison. He goes over here to this land. Now, this king, he rules by judgment. He's not used to that. So he gets over here, and he's living in this kingdom for a short while with his family and over in his other where he came from he used to go around and break mailboxes because it was kind of fun he gets over here and he starts breaking mailboxes well he comes before the king and he's done it before and he says well don't you know my dad? and the king says yeah I know your dad I've heard of him and the kid gets ready to walk out of the courtroom or out of the judgment hall And the king says, where are you going? Well, you said you know my dad. I do know your dad, but you still broke mailboxes. You have to spend time in jail. You broke 30 mailboxes. That's a full month in jail. The kid stands there, rather dumbfounded. Well, that's not fair. And the king says, "Uh, did you break the mailboxes? Well, yeah, but my dad is so-and-so. The king says... I don't care who your dad is. You broke the law. You faced the punishment. Have fun in jail. He gets to jail and he's thinking, oh, this isn't so bad. I'm like, that one guy, he went to jail and he gets there and it's pretty dark and dank and there's no video games. He's got a pillow and that's it. He has to eat oatmeal every morning. There's... No, like, Captain Crunch. It's punishment. He doesn't like it. Spends there 30 days. Gets out. He's like, I'm ready to go home. He decides, you know what? I'm going to do vandalism one more time before I leave. Well, they catch him on the way out. And he ends up spending another month in jail. This kid realizes, I can't get away with anything here this is horrible but he goes around and he's trying to complain to people (coughs) and the people he talks to um, you broke my mailbox you deserve to be in jail but the people overall are really happy he looks around everybody is happy here and they have all these rules and the king makes them follow the rules how can they be so happy I don't get it well we can put that on pause for just a second we go to this other kid who came from this land over here and he's over here for a few days and in this kingdom, there's violence and destruction and pretty much overall mayhem and he's living there and he's living with this family who's very miserable. They they speak very bad of, of the king. They don't like him. They're like, yeah, he let this guy get away with destroying this, but, but we got back at that guy. We did this and we did that and this kid is like, okay, that's kind of weird well, he goes out one day, and when he came over, he, was, he, had a nice, he had a nice, kind of a nice car. Well, he goes out one day, after spending some time here for about a week, and he finds that his car has been tagged. It's been spray-painted all over. And he looks over, and he, he notices that there's a, a video camera. Well, he takes his case in to the king of this land, and he says, Hey, I've got proof that so-and-so did this. They destroyed my car, and I, I want my, my car fixed. So the king says, so who are you? What are you going to give me? And the kid's like, um, I've got the proof that this guy did it, and he damaged my car, and like I even looked at your rules, and you make them pay for it and fix it. And the king's like, so what are you going to do for me? And the kid's like, nothing. And the king says, well, The person who spray painted your cars, well, he's my accountant's son. And if I do that, then he'll tell about all the stuff I'm spending my money on that I'm not supposed to. So I'm sorry your case is thrown out. So this kid doesn't have the restitution done. He has to fix his car himself. It costs him a lot of money. And he faces the consequences of that. And he goes out. And he goes back home to the family he's staying with. And their property has been destroyed. Like, their front yard was dug up by one of their neighbors that was mad. And he says, well, aren't you going to call, like, the cops or the, the king's civil authorities? And they're like, they don't do anything. Well, why not? Because our neighbor's his dentist. So? This, this kid comes from over here where the law establishes the land and he's like well the king over here makes these decisions based on what's right and what's supposed to be done that makes no sense and if you consider it the people in the land are completely different based on what their king is like and if you were to be transplanted from one individual's kingdom ...that operated this way... ...to another individual's kingdom... ...who operates this way... ...or vice versa... ...there would be a drastic culture shock... ...you'd have a hard time adjusting to it... ...because the king... ...makes a very big difference... ...especially if you consider like... ...if you were a part of that kingdom... ...and you had a petition to make before the one king... ...this king... ...the law would establish everything... ...and this kingdom... It's whatever you can do for me. There's no, there's no fixed judgment. There's no point of, of contact. There's no point of reference. Like, I don't know what I need to do to make this guy happy. It'd be a very frustrating exist, existence over here. And if you think about it, as a people of the different kingdoms, you'd have a hard time fitting into the other one. And the way you would approach your particular king would be drastically different. Now, in this kind of illustration we're looking at where the king by judgment establishes the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it, we see that this is obviously a good king and this is obviously a bad king. Diametrically opposed philosophies, completely different in their approach to conduct. And as a person, if you were to imagine going before either king, you'd have to you'd have a very different approach. Now, I want you to turn with me to one other verse and consider something as far as this philosophy goes. Because this philosophy and this principle is, it makes a big difference and an impact in our lives. I want you to turn to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. We're going to read the first three verses. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a king above all gods. Many times throughout the scriptures, God is referred to as a king over and over. He's referred to as a king. Often, I believe, one of the biggest problems we have as far as a Christian society and a society, society overall, we understand and we can give intellectual assent to the fact that God is a king. But often, we treat God as though he's a bad king. Let me explain that. We would understand that God is a good king, right? Would you agree that God is a good king? Often, we approach God as though he were a bad king. Now, what is it that makes a king bad? In this illustration, the king who receiveth gifts overthroweth it. Oftentimes, when we approach God... We think that whether it's our service or if it's the things that we do or we think it's our works that should make him happy. We bring before him gifts as if he would be pleased with the work of our hands. But God is a good king. The work of our hands and the work of our flesh does not please Him. Because God has a principle. He's established law. And God, as a good king, cannot accept the works of our flesh. And He cannot accept the works that we do to please Him. He cannot allow those to get us, let us get away with things. We have to follow His commandments and His law. And we have to obey His word the way He outlines it. We have to obey Him that way. That is the only thing that would please God as a good king. But oftentimes, what we do is we consider this in salvation. How many times have you heard it said from people who don't want to acknowledge they need a Savior... Well, I just don't think that God would send anybody to hell. If God is a God of love, I just don't think he could send anybody to hell. I've heard that from different people. How could God, if he's love, judge and send anybody to hell? The the better question I think would be is, how could God, who is righteous and holy, allow his son to die... To take the judgment for us. See what happens is, in the religions and all the people out here that have these attitudes of well, why? How could God send anybody to hell? The thing is, they they ascribe to God and they have a mental picture of God as being this evil king. They don't think he's evil king, but they say, well, no, God will be happy and allow me to go to heaven. Because I have been baptized or I've done this work or I've, I've been nicer to people and I've been mean to people. And they, they put this scale before God and say, God, look at all the things I've done in your name because that is what should get me to heaven. And they bring all these things to God and they act like God should forgive them and let them go to heaven and, and just say, oh, well, that, that's okay. Because they've neglected to realize that As a good king, God says, no, faith in the work that Christ did on the cross is the only thing that can get you to heaven. And when we say, well, that's a mean God. No, you see, by judgment, he established the land. A good king will look at the law and say, this is what the law says. You must satisfy the demands of the law as a good king. As Christians, we can be guilty of a similar offense to God. Whether it, it, it could be our service. A lot of times, we could see this in, in, Isra- in, the, in, or in the children of Israel. Oftentimes, they would go through their service just to do the service. They had no heart for God. They didn't care one bit about God what they did is they continually did their services, they did the sacrifices, they did everything they were supposed to do, but they didn't really care why they were doing it, they just did it. And sometimes we can get to the point where, oh well, I gave my tithe, I went to church, I did my thing, we don't care about God, we just do what we're supposed to do, because we're supposed to do it, and oftentimes our heart is away from it. And then we come to God, demanding of him the good things, while bringing to him these gifts. And we say to God, you know what? I want all the blessing and all the privilege, but I don't want any of the responsibility. And I really don't want to love you with all my heart. I just want to do what I'm supposed to, to get what I want, to make you happy, to get my way. I know I've been guilty of that myself on, on many occasions where I look and I say, you know what, I, you know, I'm in church every day. Every time the doors are open, I'm in church. And I, I give my tithe like I'm supposed to. And I go out on visitation every once in a while like I'm supposed to. What more does God want from me? Well, in Romans, he says he wants us to present our bodies a living sacrifice which is our reasonable service. So many times what we do is we come to God and we treat Him like He's this bad king who's going to be happy with us disobeying His commands and having no concern for what He wants in our lives. When God wants us to obey His Word and live for Him every day and follow His law. Now, the question would be, are you allowing God, or are you treating God as if he were the good king? In your day-to-day life, yeah, today you were in church, and I'm not saying it's bad to be in church. It's a good thing to be in church. But are you in church just because you're supposed to be? I've been been at different times in my life where I just show up at church because I'm supposed to be there my heart was so far from God but I was just there is that where you are tonight are you at church just because you're supposed to be here if you are the invitation tonight would be for you to come to God and say you know what God I haven't been concerned with your word I haven't been concerned with growing with you I haven't been concerned with giving my life as a living sacrifice to you I want to get that right tonight. Yeah, I'm here. I'm going through the motions. But I want to actually have a heart that loves you and compels me to to go through those motions. Maybe you're not saved tonight. Maybe you've said, you know, I think God will be content and happy with the works I've done. I was baptized in this church, and I did this, and I did this to go to heaven. God should be happy with that. God's a good king. He's not going to just gloss over your sin because of some works you've done. Yeah, they might be good works. But God's not going to dismiss that. As a good king, he has to look at your sin. And when Jesus died on the cross, his blood shed... Covered your sin by trusting in Christ who took your judgment for you, God can forgive you and have mercy. But if you reject that, you reject the law of God, and you say, I refuse to believe that, God, because He is a good king, cannot say, Okay, I will let you get away with that because of your good works. He cannot. If you would, pray with me this evening. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the opportunity to preach this evening, Lord. Um, I thank you for uh, challenging my life and challenging my heart with, this, uh, with the truth that you are a good king, Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, that um, as I continue to grow, that you would continue to teach me how to obey and walk closer to you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that if anyone is here this evening that has a, a struggle with looking at you and, and, and having a heart far from you, Lord. I pray that uh, you would allow all of us to grow closer to you. And pray, Lord, that uh, anyone who may not be certain of their salvation, Lord, that you work in their lives this evening and, and challenge them to come forward and, and speak with somebody and know clearly from the word their eternal destination, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.